Olive Branch podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anwar Mahajni. In this podcast, I interview activists with ties to Israel and Palestine who identify as peace activists and are working on ending Israeli occupation of the Palestinian territories. Today, I interviewed Jonathan Hempel, who identifies as an anti-occupation, anti-apartheid, and a human rights activist. His work focuses on anti-militarism and the military-industrial complex. Jonathan created the database of Israeli security and military expert. Jonathan, thank you very much for agreeing to be interviewed today, and I look forward to hearing your story. Um, where are you joining us from? Uh, I'm actually now uh, in my home at, in, in Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was there actually a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, maybe next, next trip I'll reach out and we can uh, get together. Um, so Jonathan, I thought the way you identify is very fascinating and the database is also very fascinating. I want us to begin by talking a little bit about the database. What, is the data, what does the database have in it? Why did you create it? Um, and then what do you hope you know, people do with the database? Yeah. So maybe before I, I explain really, I'm, I will go deep, deeper into the database. I will explain like the context and why why we actually created it. And I need to say I'm not the only one. I'm not the, the only, like I'm working on it um, for one and a half years now. And we actually only two people working on it, but uh, I need to say it's not alone. Um, and a lot of people that are activists and journalists and researchers work for years on this topic. And I think we, we put it in one, we centered it, we, we focused uh, it in one place. And that's like, that's our work. And so, yeah, thank you for all the people that are dealing with it already for years. Um, yeah, so Israel um, is one of the world's most militarized and securitized countries. Um, it's spending like 5.6% of its GDP on, on the military on, in Israel. And it's, the, it's, it's now, for, for 2019, the eighth largest arms exporter in the world. And it's not, it's not like in relation to the, pop, the, to the population, it's in general the eighth largest arms exporter. It's, it's accounting for 3% of the global um, total over the past five years, making it um, yeah, one of the biggest arms exporters. And drones, it's the first one. It's the, the number one um, drone exporter and manufacturer in the world. Um, so it's really, really. It, it was for us really, really crucial to 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 do this this connection. Not only to see where arms are, um, like in which destinations they are, um, so they're being supplied to, where they're delivered to, um, and they're of course are delivered to all the past and present dictatorships and human rights abusers in the world, including in the past apartheid South Africa, and also of course today South Africa the military junta um, in Argentina, the Serbian army during the Bosnian genocide, Rwanda, today Myanmar, Morocco, Mexico, Saudi Arabia. The list is so long. It's uh, actually uh, estimated that 130 countries worldwide as well as uh, is exporting arms to. And it's deeply connected to, also to the, to the situation here, to the, to the apartheid, to the occupation. There are so many terms. Um, it's of course um, making a lot of profit out of the occupation, out of the situation in Gaza. Um, the, the arms that are tried or tested or just used in, in Gaza and the West Bank are then directly marketed um, to the world as, as like comet proven. And I'm saying it like with, you know, with my fingers, I don't know how you call it, with my 
And so the, 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 the arms companies are making a huge profit out of this militarized situation here, out of occupation and out of the apartheid. And we are trying to just, with this database, to show the world for, for, for one, to show where it's getting to at the end. So also that the activists and researchers all over the world can see um, from their countries, um, which arms are coming from Israel, what are they doing in, this, in these countries, how they're violating human rights in other countries, but also to show the, the situation here, to, to show what, uh, how the Israeli forces are using it, um, how the, the arms are here violated, violated, um, involved in, in violation of human, uh, of human rights, mm -hmm. and how actually the killing of Palestinians um, or arms that are, are responsible for the killing of Palestinians. And it's not that the arms are doing it. People are, of course, put like people are pulling a trigger, not the arms, but we, we want to show how the arms are connected. And for, for example, now we're doing already research about the arms that were used in Gaza in the, in the, in the last war in May. Um, where almost 70 uh, children were killed. And we're now showing what arms were used and trying also to see how they're marketed or the next arms fairs, which, mm -hmm. which arms will be marketed by which companies to, to other, like where and, and who will buy it. And, and somehow like that also to maybe um, show uh, in terms of economic activism to show companies, it's not our like main, I think other economic activists are using the database, or um, I hope that they will use the database to, sh to show investors, companies that are invested in, in other companies, to show who is invested actually in violence and in war and in occupation. And I think it's just a tool for journalists, for other activists, um, and for uh, every civil uh, society actor um, that wants to to be involved, to fight, to, to fight uh, in, in an international, even international joint struggle against uh, militarism and, and violence and war. Thank you yeah. very much. Um, <laughs> I think he used a lot of uh, terms that maybe- Yeah, we... sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing. That's why we're having these interviews. Yeah. But maybe we, I wanna unpack them a little bit for our mm. listeners. So for instance, we talk about occupation, apartheid, the military industrial complex, right? Mm -hmm. um, could you tell me, first of all, how did you come to use these terms or understand these mm -hmm. terms? Uh, how should our listeners like view these terms? Because, you know, whenever you say occupation, uh, a lot of, let's say, Jewish Israelis will get really upset with you. Or if you use the word apartheid, you know, even in the, mm -hmm. in the U.S., people avoid using that term when they say Israel is not an apartheid and they'll give you mm. kind of reasons for why they think it's not you know the military industrial complex I don't think I think that's a term that you learn probably if you take college classes uh, in mm. science or international relations international security so kind of like how do you define them how did you come to understand these terms and why do you think they're important to use so first of all maybe I mean, it's it's a uh, of course it's, I can also answer it academically, but I think it would be also interesting to to explain mm -hmm. it, first of all how I I made this way and how um, yeah how this how this involved on my my bio biography also. I mean, it was not easy for me. I'm coming also from I'm an Israeli German uh, citizen, so I'm also, I'm German and Israeli. My parents are coming one from Germany, one from Israel, mm -hmm. and I grew up actually in both countries. And I think it was a long way for me. I grew up in Israel, also in a militarized a Zionist um, um, surrounding, you know, environment. Um, I was kind of lefty, but, you know, really mainstream, 
screaming social justice in the in demonstrations, but not more or, or screaming or uh, I don't know fighting for peace and, uh, and stuff like that. But I think it was a, a huge way that I needed to go till I was also. And I think, yeah, maybe I'll talk about it later a little bit about, about what I think was the main step for me, but I just want to say that it was a long, a long way to go also to talk about Zionism and to talk about, I don't know, settler colonialism. And first of all, occupation, you said occupation, actually you, you're right, occupation is a hard word for a lot of people in Israel. Mm -hmm. Now it's making me laugh because it's such a, actually we're in, a, in the radical left in Israel, occupation is not enough for us to say, occupation is for us, only the the dealing with the 67 uh, military occupation and not talking about the nakba and not talking about things that, that happened before even 48 and the nakba um a lot of people write about it and talk about it that it, it happened like long before 48 even and it's still going on um but yeah but to, to say it's, it's a long way for for an israeli jewish a citizen or a man and it's a hard it's like a long way to go and to feel comfortable in these spaces and 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 deal with with yeah definitions and names and uh, that, that yeah that hurt you know you, you went to the army you're feeling a lot of guilt and and i tried always to to not act from guilt but to act from a lot of learning and understanding but also it's okay that I'm feeling uncomfortable. It's okay that I'm, I'm dealing with my guilt and I need to take responsibility for it. And I need to take down privileges or deal with my privileges as a Jewish Israeli here and a, a white Jewish Israeli. Mm -hmm. uh, and man, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm a lot of, I, I have like a strong feminist approach and I, I did a lot and also like critical masculinity, feminist approaches and, um, and so it's a long way, and you—it's always like this, this, um, and the struggle. Yeah, it's a struggle because you, 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 you start questioning a lot of things that were so normal for you, or so a narrative that you that you grew up into, and then it's really, really hurt. It's really painful to ask these questions and everything that you were, um, yeah, developing on, and that your family and the family. You know, my mother is from a kibbutz, so it was like the socialist proud um, approach of of and i felt really good with it you know of, um, loving the nature and socialist and collectives and but then you see the other side of the kibbutzim and you see what happened here and what wh where the kibbutzim were built on and and it's painful it's your families you know it's it's a way it's a it's a long way and i think my my time out of here helped my time in berlin actually helped not that berlin was a good place to talk about uh, israel and palestine but it was a good place and to zoom out to be out of the bubble here and then um starting to yeah to have time to ask those questions those painful questions and to learn i learned so much i just it was time to learn to talk with other activists to talk with palestinians to yeah to do activism and slowly and i'm still learning to learn about the nakba and to read another book and to see another movie and i think learning is one of the main mm -hmm. i don't know yeah, as, as, uh, the main things that, that changed the way that I'm I'm doing activism and want to do activism and see activism actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. And was there like a specific book or a writer yeah. or a movie that kind of you saw or read and you're like, wow, I I see it differently now. You mean names of, of movies or? Yeah, if there was anything that you can think of that it kind of was foundational. It doesn't have to be a movie. It could be a book. It could be a, it could be an author. 
I think, you know, I think actually, and I know it's, it's weird because I needed again a Jewish Israeli, I think, yeah, Jewish Israeli man to, 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 I don't know, to read, to understand things. But Ilan Papa is actually a name that, I don't know, I heard a lot when I was uh, still, I, I, heard the, I heard the name a lot and I was not, I don't know, it, it took time for me to, to grab the, the book, but I think to learn about the Nakba and also Zohot, actually the website of Zohot, it's an, uh, actually an organization, a movement that is dealing with the Nakba and educating about the Nakba in, in Israel, Palestine, um, with Israelis and Palestinians working together. And actually going to their tours was one of the main, yeah, it was, it was life-changing for me as, a, as an Israeli Jew that no one, no one ever talked with me about Nakba, never. Nakba was, I don't know, a term that you heard sometimes in, in the news, but it was so, uh, yeah. So I think the tours and books, I think I had a lot of movies that also, a lot of movies were, were actually more about the, the military occupation, but it was also a big step for me to, to deal with the military occupation mm -hmm. um, from a critical, and then, I mean, it was always there, I was always critical about it, but to learn, to mm -hmm. see really how deep it's going and, and so many aspects. Mm -hmm. Now I'm dealing with one aspect of it, it's really arms export and the, the military industrial complex, but um, to just see the, the strategies behind them and to see the, yeah, to see really this, this um, racist, colonial, I don't know, capitalist, again, a lot of terms, but to see all those perspectives in it was um, also life-changing before I even went further and said, okay, I want to go back even more to see how it developed here and um, what we are doing or what our yeah, families did. So I was going to ask you, you served in the military, right? Yeah. So how was your service there? And did that time kind of affect the way you view, you, you kind of what's happening on the ground and the way you work on um, trying to resolve or kind of address the violence against Palestinians? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so personal question. Um, I'm not talking about it too much because it's, yeah, I mean, I, and I think it's important to talk about it. It's not that I'm trying to hide it because I think I need to, again, what I said before, stand behind my, you know, my, my actions and my decisions in the past also. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm actually, but, but in the Israeli Jewish society, I'm actually not using it too much not because I'm, I'm ashamed, actually, it's giving you too much legit, legit, legitimization. Mm -hmm. People are using it. Hey, I was in the army and now I'm, I can't criti criticize it. I was in the army, so listen to me. I, I did my, you know, I did my, um, how do I say, my, um, yeah, what the, what, the, what the society, you know, expect, expect from you and what, the, what mm -hmm. citizenship is, is here, you know. But so I'm not using it to, to make people listen to me. But um, I think it's important to, to talk about it. And I think that's what I, I said. I, I was, that's why I'm dealing so much with militarism now. And I'm actually part of a feminist anti-militarist movement called New Profile. Mm -hmm. And that's already 20, more than 20 years old, actually. And, and it was founded by um, women that saw their sons going to the army or starting to ask questions about the army. And they built a, a study group and then it grew and it became uh, like an activist movement. And and we see or new profile sees militarism as like the not the, the main the ground for all, but militarism is rooted in and defined by by these norms and values of, of this traditional state in Israel and the military structures that are 
designed to you know fight wars and, and conflicts and and we see it, it it's characterized by hierarchy by discipline by obedience by order aggression uh, of course masculinity or even like hyper masculinity and it's not only limited to the armed force here and that's like the biggest thing that we are trying to fight against that we're trying to educate and to you know to be active about about it it's it's um it's not limited to the armed forces. it's other institutions like police and of course and uh, and school and education we see the connection to education to culture to uh, media we see effects on gender of course and um on psychological research psychological effects we're dealing a lot with refusals actually and we, we talked about my army service i did like men are doing here three years obligatory but we are actually supporting or like new profile that's what they're doing for 20 years already they are um, actually supporting yeah and refusers how do you say uh, not not only conscious objectors but objectors um, generally like every person that doesn't want to participate in the system of violence or in this um cult, yeah, no, yeah, more system because it's, we're really dealing with the military service and mm -hmm. um, they get actually assistance from from new profile legal assistance emotional assistance um whatever they want and need um, and that's because we see and yeah in uh, in refusing to take part um, really really big step in, in fighting against this military military society but of course we're doing also we're working a lot with we're working a lot with educational workers actually today later i'm having a, um, a seminar for educational workers um about militarism in the society and we're doing it with experts that are coming and and talking and it's like a workshop more even more than a seminar yeah, so I'm, I'm trying now, I think that, and also my, my thesis was about militarism and masculinity, and I think I'm, because of my service in the army, it's not that I understood then, it took me a long time, I think also academic, like my academic time helped, and, but I'm, I think I'm now dealing, I'm still dealing with what happened there and what the system is doing with, with Israelis, and of course what it is doing with the victims of this, this system. And now, yeah, now it's I try to also support people that that yeah that don't want to go. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter what the, the reason is. It's, if it's scary for them, if it, it's a political reason or it's an emotional reason or even um, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. any reason not to not to take part. Economical could be also ideological. And I think this brings me to my next question. You mentioned feminist approaches. We talked about masculinity. Mm -hmm. And as somebody with a master's degree in women's studies and my PhD work, even though it's in political science, I also focus, you know, I use feminist lens to analyze mm -hmm. a lot of issues. First of all, you know, for a guy, it's not that common <laughs> to kind of embrace feminist approaches to understanding conflict, to peace and security in general. So my first question is, first of all, what was your first introduction to feminist approaches to kind of um, understanding peace and war in general? And then uh, why do you think peace approaches are important to help us understand what's happening on the ground, like in the yeah. ground, on the ground and, you know, for decades now between uh, Israelis and Palestinians? So I think my, I think my way to to see a feminist approach as, as a really, really big and even 
un, how I say it's it, a deeply connected part of, of the anti-military struggle came a little bit later than my my general also like my general not only interest but my general feminist approach and and learning and acting like I said I dealt a lot with masculinity and I also worked together with other men and of course with other in, with other groups queer feminist groups and that were not only masculine um, to to learn also about like to, to work also on my own masculinity and my own like identity but the the, the, the mutual connection like the, the this connection of military of anti-militarism and, and feminism I think came also from from the connection between military service and and masculinity actually not only masculinity but from there also to femininity yeah militaries have been identified as masculine institutions of course not only because they, they're populated with men mostly here it's also men and women but because they constitute a, a major arena for the construction of, of masculine identities and they play a, a primary role in, in, in shaping images of masculinity, not only in the, in the army, but in a larger society. And in Israel, it's, it's crazy how, how deeply connected it is. And there, I mean, men and women here and actually everyone here shape their identities through in this ongoing dialogue with with the identity of the soldier and of the combat soldier, actually, specifically. And some are imitating them, some are adopting it, but of course you can see also resistance and rejection to this, to this image. And this, the military as, a, as an institution is also like particularly gendered. And then we try to, to see, like to also, to, to un, like un, un, also unlike, like, um, underscore, <laughs> This connection and this um, crazy role of of uh, of the military and gender roles here in, in the construction of gender identities, and we also try to fight them to break them, but we also see it in an intersectional way. So we actually have a lot a big approach also to see class and race. And and talking about the Jewish society now, I'm talking about mostly Jewish society because uh, Muslim citizens of Israel are not. Um, are not serving the armies. They're not. They're not obliged to. So we're really dealing. We're really dealing with this. This yeah, majority of of the society that is going to the army and that is later also um, oppressing or um, being violent and the whole culture that is starting from kindergarten actually with a militaristic, mm-hmm. militaristic culture and and um, so we're trying to fight it also in an intersectional way. I, I started to say that we we seeing class. We're seeing also race or ethnicity because we, you have also a lot of of different um li- different levels of privilege and and discrimination also inside the Israeli society of course different ways of dealing with the army or with refusing the army for example or to to try to to demilitarize the society from yeah in in different levels also not only okay i don't know me as a white man i know i want to fight now the military um militarism not military the militarism but of course we're looking at all like we're looking in, at, a, at a lot of different yeah layers and and intersections yeah and i think it's new profile is one of the oldest um here as well for for sure but actually a lot of not only anti-militarist but also anti-occupational organizations um, you see a lot of them having a really, really strong feminist, um, um, yeah, I don't know, weight or uh, approach. And it's 
it's interesting. I, I don't know. I never uh, actually researched about it, but I think I don't know. I think it's deeply connected to to work in in here in this anti occupation. I don't know in this in this work against oppression and against violence and to to see it in a yeah in the connection of of inter not, not even only in Israel but international feminist interracist queer anti-fascist struggle you know and uh, to see also the global connection sometimes is really important actually we're trying to do that to see also the global connection between the these values and and struggles mm -hmm. yeah sorry the, the the last part was a little bit uh again of big definitions and and words but i don't know no, i think they're important for our audience to know and understand yeah. you know um and i think feminist approaches are always about finding the root causes of mm -hmm. the conflict and trying to address those you know instead of just finding you know band-aid solutions to mm -hmm. happening you know we talked a little bit about your background mm -hmm. And you living in Germany, actually, when you were talking about how um, going, you know, abroad, I mean, Germany is home for you since your mom mm. is German, right? Or you guys? No, either, either way. <laughs> <laughs> German. Um, I, I find it, it kind of related to it because I now live in the U.S. Um, I'm originally from Umar as I told you, and I found it easier to think and write about the conflict or let's say the violence, the occupation, maybe better terms, mm -hmm. um, in English rather than in Arabic or Hebrew, because I felt when I spoke or wrote or thought about it in, in, the, the, in Hebrew and Arabic, I got really flustered. And I felt that in English, since it's a third outside language, it allowed me to kind of get out of it mm -hmm. right? and have a, a bird eye view of what's happening and kind of understand my experience and also make global connections right beyond the local ones um so i find that very fascinating and i wonder how many people had to approach it that way you know <laughs> interesting yeah um sorry i think for me it was actually maybe it's less the language but more the i think the, the english language has uh is, is really really I don't know, comfortable to to write and and doing activism in, but I think for me it's more the context and the place in which I'm I'm acting. And I, I had to, for for example, I had difficulties in Germany to to do activism work that has to do with with Israel Palestine with the occupation. It was for me the the context in Israel. A lot of times I'm feeling really comfortable comfortable to use different terms, even if they're really radical and hard. And I don't know the, the terms that we talked about before. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes even even more comfortable to, to use them here mm -hmm. as in Germany or as in different places that I don't know. I don't know. You, you know the discourse around uh, around this anti-occupation struggle about Palestine. It's in a lot, lot of contexts and places really became really, really hard. And I'm I'm the last one to say, and I think Palestinian activists, even in the States, are sometimes so yeah, being attacked and and um discriminated because of their um, their anti-occupational anti-racist work and so it's, it's got it got hard to to even talk about it to write about it to act about it i don't know uh, well, this brings me actually to the question of challenges so mm -hmm. 
Uh, I'm always curious about what type of challenges you're facing, let's say, or you faced, you kind of started talking about Germany, how that was difficult to use, mm. terms that you're more comfortable using um, at home. So kind of what challenges are you facing due to your activism, due to your understanding of what's going on, uh, whether it's from family, community, the state, outside of the state, kind of, and how do you deal with these challenges? So I think, and I will take it to exact challenges. And I think I'm, I'm trying even sometimes to, to not run away from those challenges because sometimes, I don't know, like I'm, I could not write, or I could use a different term. I could use, I could wear a different t-shirt to a, on the way to a protest, you know, or a different, um, I don't know, to, to, to hear a family discussion and not to say my opinion. It's really easy. It's not, it's not easy because a lot of people know that I'm lefty and that I'm an activist and that I'm dealing also with those topics. Um, but in some spaces, I, I could hide it. And I'm trying, I'm trying less and less to do that because I want to, and we talked about privileges here. And as, as a Jewish, Israeli, white man, I'm, I'm really on, I'm the most privileged person on, on, in public space here in, in, in Israel and Palestine. Of course, there are places that I'm not welcome in and it's legit and I can understand that. But mm -hmm. I mean that, yeah, of course, in, in public space, I'm, I'm, the I'm the most privileged and, and I think I'm trying to, or sometimes to use this privilege. And um, that it means I intervened in a lot of racial profiling incidents in public space or in the, in the protests when people are attacked. Uh, and I know that me as a white man, I will be attacked, but maybe less than a Palestinian um, colleague or activist that is with me there. So we're trying to use and trying to challenge to take those challenges and also use my privilege. And and even if um, if, even if it could be, I don't know, um, hard or um, difficult, the same also as, as my privilege as a man that I'm trying to intervene when I can, even if it's uncomfortable or um, dangerous or because it's more dangerous for the victim that, that I'm trying to, I don't know, to intervene in the situation with. So yeah, and first of all, I'm trying not always to run away, but of course it has also um, difficulties. My family and my family is trying to be supportive, but it's, of course, sometimes I see that they just don't want to talk about politics or about the situation here. And it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's frustrating <laughs> to sometimes see my environment. I'm, I'm doing a lot of educational work, so I'm, I'm also working some of these people that are not in my in my opinion or in our um, on our side, and it's it it gets violent or it, it just gets really or intense. And but we try to we try to go out also not to only to to left lefty Jewish Israelis that think like us, but of course also the left here is not really it's not really that there yet. So even in the left, sometimes we're like the radical. <laughs> side that uh, I don't know it's also not not always um comfortable to also even in left spaces and uh, lefty spaces to to work um, with our um yeah with our approach yeah so I think it's it's challenging but I'm trying to and and of course I mean and I think you know I don't know I'm, I'm, I think you know it also the terms I use, the work that I'm doing the the organizations that I'm working with it's closing doors for me that I'm I'm quite happy for now to, to close and uh, and I think it has also an economical um, uh, effect on me and my future but I think for me it's now really important to 
to stay with my tools to fight against all the all, I don't know the oppression and and atrocities that are happening here that I'm feeling that yeah I don't know that's time to to stop being silent in my, in my bubble in Tel Aviv and to go out and to go to the West Bank and be active also there in 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 I mean I'm also not only in this in this database and in my anti-militarist and work active I'm also trying to go and in Sheikh Jarrah I was months before um I don't know it, it maybe maybe that I shouldn't go in because I don't know I don't want to to hit to to be like oh cool you went to Sheikh Jarrah so maybe let's head out but I mean I just I'm I'm there also I'm trying to be on the ground I'm trying to be in contact with people and it's not only Okay, I'm an, I'm, I'm behind my computer and I'm doing my research and database and educational work, but I'm trying also to be into joint struggles also in the field, on the ground, I don't know. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I like how you're always cautious about the terms that you use or kind of describe <laughs> activism because you don't want to sound like you're abusing that or using that to, uh, you know, gain clout, I guess or to score points yeah 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 yeah. because i think that was one of my yeah i think one of the things that also i mean as, as i told you i have a feminist i don't know anti-militarist i have a lot of, of different political approaches and i think one of the i mean it's not me i mean that's why I'm, I'm dealing a lot with militarism also i think it's not it's not because i'm feeling convenient here as a with my identity but i think that's that's my part of of the struggle. That's that's where I can maybe change and and correct some stuff that I also did and and not correct, but that's the space that I'm I'm feeling also. Okay, I can I can not not lead it, but I can be a really really strong partner of of the struggle of anti-militarist struggle, focusing on Jewish society. Me as an Israeli, I'm not the one stopping the occupation and the, uh, the military occupation um, things that I'm will be I'm always be a partner and um, I don't know yeah I will always join the struggle against it um, but I'm, I will have I don't know I will I will let the Palestinian activists lead it and I will happily join and I will and give the women or um, non-cis men lead the queer feminist struggle or the, the whole revolution and it will happily join and, and support and fight but uh, it's not me leading it and um, that's why I'm, I'm focusing on my small like you know um, parts that I, I think I can really work um, and use my privilege and my position and my background and, and fight against it yeah. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing for allies to understand that you're mm -hmm. not leading it, you're supporting the people who are leading it. I'm, I'm trying and I'm also, I'm always, I, I will always learn and I will make mistakes, but I will take responsibility about mistakes and I will learn more. And I think learning is for me the most important thing and, and communicating, of course, and a lot of other things, but. Yeah, I think the hardest step is unlearning unlearning thank you yeah it's a good right for a long time and wow. yes learning more as you go actually we don't have in hebrew a word for unlearning it's really interesting yeah. we don't have it and actually in our activist groups we're using the the english term the english term because it's such a and for us as as jewish israelis that were in the zionist education system militaristic education system we have so much to unlearn 
and um, and in me as a man, I mean, we all we have so much identities that that's, that are constructed, and we have so much to unlearn. <laughs> we will take time, but we we're trying. We are we on the way. <laughs> so I have uh, Jonathan. I have one last question. Um, so we talked about the challenges that you uh, experienced and still experiencing. I was wondering, what kind of advice do you have for young Jewish activists who? did you know who got education in a zionist system who have family members who are zionist militarized who kind of believe in those systems and structures of or the hierarchies um, that exist and they justify you know the occupation they justify what the military is doing etc what, what kind of advice do you have for these uh, young activists who are just kind of are coming out of their shell and trying to figure out ways to engage and how to navigate the challenges that come with engaging or going against the stream, right? But important to ask, they're already they're ready to learn or they're ready to, they're coming with, um, I don't know, with an openness or are they really, they're not there yet? Like it depends yeah. because I think, mm-hmm. I think when, when I think about, uh, I don't know, a young person like that, that is open already and is a little bit confused maybe and it's hard and painful a little bit but it's a total different uh, different answer for me because i will say i don't know i don't have the one answer yeah but i i was there i was on the right way i had my, i had like a lot of interest and curiosity and of course confused like i was confused and i didn't know which terms to use and not only which terms like are politically correct but really what what is zionism for me and Parents, like grandparents that were, in the, the, that were in the Holocaust, and how I now how I'm like dealing in this in this in this family stories, and how I'm dealing with the guilt. And I was in the army, but now I'm I'm really against like what the army is doing. So how I'm using that? So I was confused, and I was I don't know, um, but I was open, and I was open to learn, and I was open to talk, and I was open to talk with activists and with Palestinians and to to hear also difficult things and I think it's, it was part and I think my advice is maybe not 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 even to feel not to go to, the, to this defending reaction you know that that if you hear critique or you hear something that is a little bit hard or that is new and just to defend and to be yeah like you know or attack back or not even just listen and learn, read, meet people, go to the to, go to the ground if you're never never in the West Bank and go, go with tours that are they're beautiful tours that for people that were never there, they're also safe and are a good starting point and not just you not you will not like go and directly to the to be an activist in in a protest that is I don't know dangerous or something they're really really great tours that you can take for the beginning learn watch movies maybe as i'm sure that there are also um, lists of, of what movies you can watch that are a good start or not even a good start but maybe like an extension to something that you already started to to deal with yeah i think i don't know i i, I really remember spaces that I, I felt like from for example in berlin i i remember as a white like white germans sitting in a room and hearing really really crazy critics about the whiteness and what racism and the academy and 
And people were like, you know, sitting in the chair and like, oh, or some people were taking back, you know, taking this defending mode. And, and I was thinking like, no, it's, it's okay. It's really, really important for me, the situation where I'm feeling uncomfortable with my identity and with what I did and how I, like, I felt a little bit uh, attacked is such an aggressive word, but you know what I mean? When I'm criticized and you're feeling like, oh yeah, I don't know how to, to deal with that. And it's actually okay to be, to feel like that and to go from there and to learn and to read books of Palestinian writers and not only from, and I'm feeling a little bit uh, um, bad that I, 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 I said that before that I read this Jewish Israeli writer, but actually he's a really, really good historian and, and, and had some good publishment, pub, uh, publications. Um, but read a book of a Palestinian writer um, or of a Palestinian movie director, filmmaker. Yeah, go out of this. Yeah, unlearn. I don't know. Unlearn is really like what what I would say to someone. And mm-hmm. and maybe also I had I had really nice um, I think people to work together with. So I think I, I didn't feel alone so much. I always try to find people that I'm feeling safe with to talk and ask questions and going through process together, even if if it was in 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 this critical masculinity like ways or in, it was in in and an anti-occupation, uh, anti-apartheid struggle where I found always people where I felt safe to do activism with, to go together to protests or to actions. Yeah, people like the groups, then uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's also important to find like a, a space where you feel safe to, like to learn and develop. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's a great, a great point to kind of emphasize that you shouldn't be uh, reactionary, you should be more receptive mm-hmm. to the other side or other narratives. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I, did, I want to add something else, sorry. For me, and I think it was also, a, it was not a university, but to ask questions. I, I think that I grew up in an education system where you cannot take anything for granted. I'm not, I'm not telling, I'm not speaking in a conspiracy theory mindset, you know, and but really ask questions, know who are you reading, who is writing the text that you read now, who is the researcher that you read, like the context of it. I don't know, ask questions, check things out. I don't know, read the facts. And I think it's also important for someone that is starting to, to deal with the with narratives and with you know opinions and different texts and different books. And so, yeah, I think it would be good to always check and see what are you reading and who, where is the information coming from and it helped um, me yeah <laughs> um i'm gonna give you a minute just to see if you want to add anything kind of uh, yeah. give a resource or maybe something that i forgot to ask you about and you think is important to add to the conversation just going to give you that time to do okay. so i think maybe i mean i could go more into this arm thing because it's it's really important for me just to understand the, I don't know, the, the crazy atrocity that is happening here is through the arms, arms uh, industry all over the world. And I, maybe I can say something about it. Yeah, if you want to say something. Yeah, so I think basically as long as other countries and countries all over the world are buying and selling military equipment and technology, also cyber technology, for example, from Israel and also to Israel, actually, they're not only like implicitly approving Israel's acts and uh, and oppression and, and financing its military, but they're also actually actively reproducing 
um, this this measures and this, this this acts. So I think it's really really important to understand like this I don't know this connection between between the crazy arms industry all over the world and Israel is not the only one producing and exporting arms, but and we can see it all over the world the arms that are used uh, all over um, the Middle East are then that I mean it's not about that this that the talk is not about uh, the arms industry it's more about the activism and thank you Jonathan for you know the sharing your insights activism and your work yeah. with us. Uh, thank you our listeners for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode thank you